Hello and welcome to Beehive Jive. This is a new beekeeping podcast which is presented by Paul and Tracy. We are two beekeeping friends based in South London. We love talking about bees, we spend hours talking about bees and so we thought why not record our conversations Hopefully it will give other people some food for thought or at least comfort them in the knowledge that they're not alone. I think before we get started, it's probably worth referring to that saying in beekeeping, which is that if you ask three beekeepers the same question, you'll get four different answers. And we don't aim to give you advice in doing this. We simply aim to share and hopefully, as I said, inspire um, but to share what works for us and what doesn't work. And there's plenty of both. Okay. So, um, brief introduction from each of us. Um, I'm Tracy. I keep 10 colonies and four nukes um, in South London. And I've been beekeeping for seven years. And Paul? Hello there. Um, I've got about eight hives on a bee farm not far from here. And I've been keeping bees about five or six years. I can't actually remember when. So there we go. So I probably it's probably worth talking about how our season went last year. Yeah, I was going to say, because we, we're going to have a kind of, you know, topic for each podcast. And, and this time um, we thought we'd talk about, we'd review 2016, which was a painful year for many of us. Um, and and not just in beekeeping. Um, and then we're going to talk about what we're doing right now at the end of the podcast. Um, so, Paul, do you want to yeah, so I, talk I did, about your um, year? My year was all right, although it was uh, honey-free, so I'm in trouble <laughs> for that. So, um, so I, I wanted to do three things. So I wanted to move my apron because uh, on the farm, I'm on, the, the farm is lovely and it's beautiful. And um, so when I went there to look look where to put the bees um i picked the prettiest spot so there's a you've been there there's a spot between two lakes it's it's lovely um but what i found is that the bees don't really like it i think it's because it's in a slight dip and it's damp so i thought i'd move in this year so i've moved into a paddock at the front of the farm which has got a benefit that i can actually drive to it previously i was walking across the cow field it's knackering (laughs) carrying all that kit yeah so um, stuff is heavy yeah so yeah you're carrying all the boxes and stuff so i moved them um to the paddock and actually they're doing really well there i've, I've set them up they're, they're kind of quite sheltered loads of fruit trees around and the farmers planted loads of uh, really good forage um they're not far from um sort of pick your own fruit farm so they what, seem- what kind of fruit is it um it's like strawberries and things oh, and really? they have a big sunflower field as well which is nice Oh, that's that's pretty varied then. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Do so they forage on strawberries? I have no idea. It looks like so. <laughs> so I, I think, think they, they do on. Su- I've seen sunflower honey in Europe. So. Okay, I know they forage yeah. on sunflower. I don't know if they forage on strawberries, but they, they there's lots. It's quite rural, so there's there. there's an airport near there as well, which they apparently go to. Um, so I moved the bees down there, and I've left one colony, and it's a very swarmy colony. Um, the thing just would not stop swarming. You could split it, it'd still swarm. It was just very active. It's weird though, because you like it, because it builds up, it's really strong. Make it great, it's strong. Yeah. And then it swarms, <laughs> it starts to swarm. It's like, okay, well, I'll split it. Oh, you're swarming again, right? So 
those ones I've kind of decided to manage out of my apiary yep. because some some colonies just produce bees. In my experience, that is one of the issues <laughs> in my year as well. I don't know, maybe it was something last year, but yeah, I had a colony. They, like they that. weren't particularly uh, pleasant either; they're quite grumpy. So, mm. um, and I've got one very small hive left up there that I'm going to move down June. I'm going to do a shook swarm and move it down. So that that was that's worked out quite well for me. So a lot, it's made my beekeeping there much easier. I don't have to carry stuff. It's not damp. They seem to be happier where they are. Um, the other thing I wanted to do was foundationless. Stop using foundation mm. for no other reason that um, we had the chairman of Epsom Beekeepers come and did a talk about uh, the rose hive method, and she uses all supers, and it's all foundationless. And I thought that is it looks good fun, so I made loads of foundationless <laughs> frames. <laughs> Um, and you've seen them, they're really good. I'm yeah, I really know, but they, use su- they use super. She uses frames. supers, I use national. So, for American viewers, like medium kind of size. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I've had one or two frames uh, go a bit astray. What I found is if you put them on the end of the boxes, they seem to attach the, the comb to the box. So, what I do now is the ones on the end of the boxes are already drawn out. So I make mm. I, I put old comb on the ends. And they seem to not do that anymore. So you just end up with these, these frames with holes in the middle when you pull them off. Um, and they generate a lot of drone comb. Yeah, well, yeah, because they... Na- is, I've noticed if they build brace comb, they naturally... Well, that, it's, you know, like drone brood removal that you can do for integrated pest management. Of a variety. They will naturally draw drone comb if you put a, a super frame into a british national standard box they'll draw drone to make up the difference to bee space and then cut that off and cut all the drone out so actually yes i was wondering how that worked then if you're not giving them a template how do you make sure they draw work uh, draw out worker brood comb or is it just that i'll just let them draw out what they want it's just that they know much more than we do about how to build their <laughs> Well, I don't know if they know more, but I think we try and force them to drink. Well, exactly, we force them down. I just just let them draw it. What I am doing, though, is is the empty, uh, in the spring, I'm going to take out the empty ones that have got lots of drone comb, I'm going to cut the drone comb out and Mm. put it back in. So if they want to build more, they can. Um, The only thing I have to do next year, because this is the first year I've done it, is I'm going to have to keep a really close eye on the varroa levels. So I'm going to do a lot of might count in so if they get too high i have to work out what to do and there's mm. different ways of dealing with that but um i've really liked it. it's really interesting to watch them build it and the other thing i've noticed is i had no swarming last year in any of those colonies no swarming i don't know if that's to do in, the, in like the rose method colonies yeah so i just added uh, i got them all up to sort of double ones ones on triple national boxes like triple mediums mm. uh, from from six frame nukes so they weren't full size and highs to start off with. None of them swarmed. So either I've got really nice bees, or I wonder if the fact that they've had to draw out all that extra has kept them kind. busy. But the counter to that is that because I've made them draw out essentially twenty frames of <laughs> wax, um, I wonder if that in, it, it impacted brood creation because they didn't have the space to breed. So now they've drawn all those boxes out. I'm going to be interested to see what happens this year because, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really nice to have no swarming. This is the first season I've had no That's swarm cells. It is interesting because obviously you're giving them kind of a limitless supply of space. Yeah. 
because you just keep adding it and adding it. You're keeping mm. them busy. I mean, I, I can't remember what the ideal dimensions for a cavity that a bee would look to make. You it's know, about forty liters. If yeah, you read that. exactly. And I mean, it is it is interesting doing it like that. And they they draw out normal frames, right? So the only thing I had to do is I changed the box size because I was in that uh, twelve by fourteen boxes, so that's a fourteen inch deep box, um, and I use those. And I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure other people have done it, but I'm not sure if I was a bit worried that if you did foundations on that, because it's quite solid. Once it settles, once it's been used, it becomes quite rigid. Mm. And I wire, I put wire in the frame so they draw it out, but. Um, I kind of just converted everything back to national to that because I thought, oh, I don't really want to... I just wire, I, I'm a bit clumsy, so I'm just thinking I'd pick it up, turn it over and just... It flops out. Yeah, I just, On a hot <laughs> summer's day when it's full of your precious honey. No, I just image, it's this, I just have a feet full of bees <laughs> and it just fell out in one big square. So I use national. I'd still eat it, incidentally. <laughs> pick it Three up. second rule. It's like ice cream. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically I, I went back to nationals. So now I've got a whole, whole wad of uh, 12 by 14 boxes that I don't use. But yeah, the idea is you add the rose hive method, which I is, is essentially you build, you just keep giving the same box size. I don't do that. I, I still use supers. Right, okay. But the brood nest, I use one box and I, I kind of, I think I'm going to limit myself to like a triple national, which is basically a that's double tall. That's, that's a big lot. hive. Um, but I don't use queen excluders. So the supers, if they want to build drone, you know, any mm. comb up, if they want to build a worker comb up in the supers, I let them. Because mm. if you read the Rose book, what he says is after the longest day, the uh, brood nest gets smaller and goes down. So the idea is as the brood nest sort of decreases, anything above it's yours. So I don't I only use queen excluders for the queen rearing now, which my for my last thing I did last year. So. Yes. <laughs> That's why I've got no honey, because yeah. I realised that raising queens out of production hives... So you, you didn't think about feeding them? No. I read this. I'm not saying this to make you cry, but I read, I read this somewhere <laughs> that basically it takes eight times more honey, eight times as much honey, to eight units of honey to build one unit of wax, is what I'm trying yes. to say. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's an interesting article so in, there's your honey. In, in one of the uh, bee crafts last year. I think he's either bee craft or the BBKA mag that says a guy weighed his hives yeah. and he weighed it with foundation in and then he weighed it after they drawed it out and he's worked out how much, I should have made notes of this, but he's worked out how much honey it took to generate. So yeah, so I think one of the reasons I didn't get any honey is A, I've taken a lot of bees out to make nukes. Which we'll get to onto my disaster on that in a minute, but and um, but B, I wasn't feeding them this year. This year, I'm going to give them a pollen patties and, and yeah. syrup. So, well, for summer weather's right, sort of end it at March because I want to give them that initial boost into the mm. season. But like on the positive side, it's all there positive. was it, of course, of course, it always is. Um, there was so much talk at the National Honey Show back in October, I think it was, about foundation. And the toxins that are in it and the chemicals and basically, you know, you put it in your colony of precious bees that you nurture and look after and you're putting this stuff in which is full of potentially harmful substances. So getting them to draw their own wax stops all of that. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's a balance, right? Because 
most well, obviously you're never going to have a pure you yeah. know bee colony but but in this in this country most people are hobby beekeepers aren't they yeah with sort of less than 12 hives so i think um it's a balance because found if foundation's easy mm. it's easy for you it's easy for the bees but you're right if, if people are mixing paraffin oil with beeswax to make foundation yeah as they were saying in that that's just not good yeah and the rest of the kind of sprays that are making their way fungicides into, yeah, and all sorts absolutely of crap, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's because it's not just the bees, is it? That's going in your honey. And, and absolutely. And yeah, honey's got this image of being pure and untainted, yeah. and you're putting paraffin wax in it. I mean, I, I'm I'm using foundation for my supers. I mean, unless you're doing sections, I guess. You know. Yeah, I want to try that. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to try that actually. The round ones. I love the round ones. The Ross rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So no, I th- I I still think you know. Yep, they did hard work last year your guys and and they're going to start this year and they're going to be right <laughs> let's get down to those sunflowers <laughs> let's get on it so yeah i'm going to give them a, a pollen phase this year i think mm. early in march, yeah, march. It depends though because the weather at the moment as we because because we're geniuses and, and start to do a beekeeping podcast in the winter <laughs> so we'd have lots to talk about <laughs> but i mean it's it's all freezing at the moment so i'm kind of it's really cold yeah it's which is good i think i think it's our first winter in quite a while isn't i it? think so winter. so i was reading the paper that the, that the saying that that's really good for um it delays it basically it resets the clock so mm. uh that you'll get a, you'll get a nice spring if it stays like this you should get if you get a proper year you'll get a nice spring eruption of forage which will be good right so if i get that i'm not going to bother feeding them pollen but i might feed them syrup just to give them that because it seems to give us to give them a boost so last thing i did last year is i learned how to raise queens which was i'd, I'd always want to do it and i've been on loads of courses and every course i've been on has confused the hell out of me <laughs> yeah that's me too yeah um, but i haven't worked out how to do it yet but so well, uh, we'll do it next this year beyond what the obvious methods are so i uh yeah I've, I've been on loads of courses to do this and um i guess what confused me was that all the course I've been on tried to tell you every impossible method of, of raising queens. And that's what's confuses you because you end up there kind of not trying to work it out. Yeah. So um, I found a weekend course run by a place called Tiger Hall Bees in, I can't remember what it was, but it was very nice. <laughs> it was a very mm. rural location. And he taught the um, the method that the, the British National Bee Unit uses, which is the um, queen right method. So taught me grafting as well which i always thought was akin to brain surgery but the guy i learned grafting with was 72 and he was cracking it out no problem at all within 40 minutes so mm. um i learned how to graft i'm quite pleased by that um and the queen queen the queen right method basically is you um have two brew boxes you separate them by a queen excluder you move the brood above the queen excluder leave the queen below and then you put your grafts between uh, a frame of brood and a frame of pollen and the, the nurse bees build out the cells you then um, take the cells put them into mating nukes sounds easy Bob's your uncle so um, I did that this year I think that's what I'm going to try yeah we'll have a go but you know properly systematically yeah next there year. are other methods mm. and you know yeah. whichever one you find works for you I think I've worked on that rather than because um, there are some more sort of industrialised methods, but I only want to raise like 12, 10 queens. Mm. If I could get 10 nukes in the next year, I'll be dancing. So 
What I learned was the grafting, which is the bit everyone focuses on and so tells you is really difficult, is actually not that difficult. The hard bit's finding the eggs. And I've got a plan for this year to basically give the queen completely empty comb. So then I, they'll find, it'll be easier to find the eggs. For the larva, the young larva. And um, the bit that I found really difficult was the mating yicks. Because I didn't realise mating yicks starve very very quickly and i had that it was a bit of a disaster so i i grafted that tiny reservoir isn't it it's i didn't realize you should bring them home i could do actually that's a good idea and you can do it every day yeah well I, i'm saying this i've never done it i'm just <laughs> trying to come well, up I, with I changed ideas. job i changed job recently so um i actually drive past where i keep my bees so uh, but i know the problem there. so i had these little uh they're Polish mating hives, so you, they're like little square boxes, and you can get two mating hives in each. And the reason I got them is because they've got slightly larger frames. They're not like the Apodeas, which are really small. And they're like proper hives, so they've got a floor, a separate box, a lid, and you can stack them up. So I did that, and I grafted 10 cells, just because I didn't want many queens. So I grafted 10 cells, and six of them took, which I thought was quite good for my second ever graft. So I moved them into these mating nukes, uh, which promptly four of them starved which i'm ashamed to say <laughs> so i've learned my lesson now so uh, they will be fed much better twice a day <laughs> yeah so i had two queens and then uh, the other thing they taught me on the course was how to clip clip and mark them mm-hmm. um <laughs> so I, I i clipped all my queens i was i was very happy with that and then i had these new two new mated queens i saw them on the comb uh, i picked the first one up to mark her and off she flew <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so I watched her, I chased her, and she got away. <laughs> and then you go on Google, you're like, on Google, so I'm like, okay, do queens come back after mating? And you go onto uh, RB Keeper or Reddit, and someone's asked that question, and the answer's no, 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 no. No, they just, the bees would ball them. Although Tracy told me, who's one of our beekeeping chums, she's a smart one, she's told me she, she had one of her queens fly away, and they came back. Really? Yeah, but mine didn't, so... I think Chasey's just like the bee whisperer. So, um, so I've got one queen now from my initial batch, but I've learned so much. So on this year, end of April, I'm going to start queen rearing, feed them better. I'm not going to try and mark them when they're brand new. I'm going to leave them. <laughs> I'm going to put them in nukes, wait until they're strong. Yeah. And do it. So that was my year. So actually, I was really, it's one of my most successful years, even though I got no honey and I got told off by having no honey. <laughs> it meant someone had to go and buy actual christmas presents rather than just rather than giving away can't you just make chutney or something (laughs) no i can't i can't make you tea honestly the pressure ah the pressure now the the pressure and you know i mean yeah i could i'm not sure (laughs) which direction to take the whole queen rearing conversation in because i mean that was that was i would say one of the main points that i fell down on last year which was that with that long, miserable, damp spring. It wasn't good, was it? Well, if you think, I think it was at the end of March, we had like bright weather. They all were like, yeah, let's get going. And then started swarming. And then just as the new queens were emerging, it we were just hit with those weeks of damp and it also really affected the forage in my area like lots of plants started to the flower buds were rotting on the trees and other plants um so consequently a lot of queens either didn't mate went stale or um became drone layers 
very quickly. And because I didn't have an organized queen rearing program, um, I didn't have banks of, you know, spare queens mated and laying to replace them. Uh, so yeah, it all went a bit, it all went a bit wrong. Um, and because my goal was to increase for honey production, to give my landowners more honey, I had, I'd failed to increase in my colonies because I was having to unite colonies because of a lack of queens. So what did I decide to do? I decided to go and buy some nukes. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with buying nukes. I'm a reputable supplier, which I did. You did. But a lot of beekeepers who actually know what they're talking about just said to me, why don't you just take your best colony and split it into six nukes? And I was like, no, it's my best colony. I can't do that. That's the one I'm going to get all the honey from. Um, I really wish I had have done that because I bought the nukes and I guess what I didn't allow for, I guess, I don't know, it's like bringing... But you did buy nukes. You bought hives, didn't you? Cause I bought yeah, they were nukes with extensions, yeah. yeah they were ten-frame nukes, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And, you know, I kind of underestimated the impact that, you know, seven years of my own bees... Uh, bre- not breeding, but, you know, choosing, selecting my queens for certain characteristics. Yes, I made a couple of mistakes with Buckfast, so-called Buckfast queens in the early years. They were miserable bees. But they were, they were, they were, bre- <laughs> they were gone. They were half after bee. The, yeah. they, ha- no. they were half bee, half pit bull. <laughs> they were F2 <laughs> aggression. That is, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah, we know what the F stands for with <laughs> yeah, those bees. They were really... <laughs> It's true, it's true. I've they been weren't there. fun bees, were they? They were really They were aggressive. really, really nasty. And like I said, you know, I got over that, got back on track. I have good, productive, prolific bees that have a good temper. And I brought into my colony, brought into my apiary some colonies, uh, which were not so good tempered and on the whole just seemed to make bees rather than honey. And, of course, these colonies kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was putting on more and more supers thinking, you know, come on. Where's but they, they weren't – they were just making bees. And the whole <laughs> – it just went way out of control um, to the point where people started getting stung who were walking by. And, yeah, I had to move them. So I had to completely write that off um, as a loss. And it was a very good lesson for me about, you know, breed from your own bees – or bees that you know really, really well. Yeah. And I was thinking of buying packages at one point, and that's how desperate I was. Wow. Imagine if I bought a package. When I found out that, you know, the truth of what a package actually is. It's just random bees, bees in the box. shoveled in yeah. with a, a queen that's got nothing to do with them. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad, actually. I could cry, but I won't. <laughs> not, not right now. I'll laugh instead. I said this before. I think when I learned beekeeping, there was no... I just think, great, well, being able to selectively make more bees from stock you like, it's not going as far as calculate bee breeding, but that I like that queen. I want more than one of that queen stock. And knowing how to do it, mm. I think should be a fundamental skill to talk to beekeepers because it maybe it's just where we were learned, right? But it wasn't. It was mm. You would learn how to do swarm control, inspections, look for disease, and they were the basics. Mm. But this should be a next step. Like, okay, well, you've got two hives now. It's like our, our you know, Roger Patterson says this. Take take your 
doesn't matter how to take you've got four highs pick the two you like the two you're not as keen on raise from the two you like and then replace queens from those ones into the two you don't like and your stock will improve and i just don't think that's t that isn't a basic it is a basic skill but it's not taught as a basic skill. it's not taught and i think the first time i heard him uh you know talk about that saying you know if you're if you are making choices about the traits of your queens and your colonies then you kind of are breeding yeah. breeding bees so you need to take it seriously and he talked about you know divide your high colonies as you just said into group a group b i was just like brilliant okay <laughs> you know yes i don't have to go out and buy a What's it called? A Genta cup system, or yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. You know, I mean, to me that felt so alien. I don't bees and Lego to me don't seem to to mix. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just felt I found that concept of okay, you know, take queen cells from the good colonies and use them to improve the rest of your, of your stocks. And I mean, it has worked. And I mean, you've seen in my apiary yeah. that one really strong hive I had where I've made up nukes. Mm from her I mean we're now kind of two generations down now in Queens they're super prolific really calm non-swarmy so it I think it does work on a basic level yeah so that's I mean that's my goal next year is to have a nuke going to winter with a nuke for every production hive because yeah. I just want that flexibility of if I come out of winter and some of those hives aren't I don't really lose hives over the winter I don't really no, yeah I haven't suffered from winter loss i've come through with really weak hives yes and kind of a bit emotionally attached to them you think well i'm gonna because you because you like root for the underdog <laughs> i'm yeah. gonna help you whereas really i think now i'm sort of thinking well if okay if, if i've got six hives mm. and one five comes through really strong there's just one that comes through really weak maybe that just isn't just that strain of that family of bees aren't really built for survival and maybe requeen them a lot earlier or unite them with ones that are strong rather than yeah. pamper it. I mean, we've all done it. You just pamper the hive through the year. Yeah. You feed it and give it frames of brood from other bees and it never really takes off. No, some queens just don't no. work. And as you know, I'm pretty ruthless about this. So You're more ruthless than I, uh, I But, you know, I just kind of think, well, you know, when I say I've got 10 colonies, I've actually got 14, but the other four... I don't have much respect for, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not counting them. <laughs> they're they're quite they're quite small and weak. Um, I have lost a nuke due to varroa. Uh, the varroa last autumn was really really high. Oh, I mean it always is, but yeah, last autumn was a problem. Um, but yeah, I've never lost a colony uh, due to things like isolation, starvation. It makes me want to cry when I see that. Um, I'm really really on feeding especially at this time of year which mm. you know we're going to talk about later um at the end um but just to the final thing about my year which was just the final kick and there were lots of other things <laughs> <laughs> that went wrong that i haven't talked about including breaking my ankle but anyway which doesn't help with beekeeping um the final thing was robbing i have never seen robbing in my apiary like i had last year it was just a frenzy and I was on the BBKA forum, which actually I, I incidentally find brilliant. Everyone's always, you know, really supportive. Um, it's well moderated, that forum, isn't it? So it's really, yes. Get, uh, you don't get you know, people writing essays about how rubbish you are. You get help. It is, it's a good forum. It is a good forum. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. Um, and like I was on it today asking a 
question about condensation and polyhives, which I'm having a problem with at the moment. But no, this robbing was terrible, and I had to do some very clever detective work. I had to go down late one night, close all the hives up. I had to work out who was robbing who. Like Sherlock Tracy. And I, I yes, exactly. <laughs> go down, close all the hives, go back the next morning and open them up one by one and see how the robbing started. Was it one hive was it doing it? Well, we didn't know. I didn't know. But, of course, what happened when I got down there the next morning was that the apiary was full of bees trying to rob the closed hives. So they were coming from another apiary close by and were robbing my bees. But with the power of search engines on the internet, I found... Um, a fantastic design for a robbing screen. Okay. Which was brilliant. So I made robbing screens for all my hives. How do you make a robbing screen? I've never done that. Well, there are various ways, but in my way, you get a piece of wire, <laughs> a piece of mesh, right. wire mesh. You bend it into a, you can either do like a W shape. Okay. You put it over the hive. So obviously the robbers try to go straight down and into it. Mm. But the bees who live there go around through the edges. Oh. And if it's under severe attack, which mine, mine were, I gaffer taped up one side and reduced the entrance. So they only had one tiny little entrance. But it's, it's great because it's mesh in the full summer heat at the end of summer. You don't have to block your entrances right up. You just cover them with this. So you've <laughs> still got the ventilation. How big is the mesh? It was quite, I used quite a, an open one. So it's like big enough for the bees to go through? No. No? No. Oh, okay. So uh, the, the, the mesh is too small for the bees to go yeah. through, but the sides are open. Yeah. And the ones that live there kind of know they yeah. they know there's an entrance. But it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a W shape. Yeah. And then you, you, you kind of use thumbtacks to put it in top and bottom, and then they've got the little V that they can go through. Okay. We'll put a link to that in the yeah. podcast. I'll <laughs> take I'd some like photos. They're pretty yeah. homemade. Or there's another one which is square. And they go down through the top. Oh, okay. And it worked? It really, really helped. But damage had been done. I mean, I looked in some of the colonies and you could just... It was classic robbing. Like I'd never seen it before with, you know, uh, happed honey. Oh. Just the wax just torn down. Um, and then, of course, all the wasps were trying to get in as well. Did those screens stop the wasps as well? They did stop the wasps, but I mean, you know, you'd be inspecting the hives at the end of summer and wasps would be flying in and out. Yeah, I had a lot of wasps when I lived mm. in my house. Actually, the farmer said he found a wasp nest in the, in one of his barns. They're everywhere. Yeah, but he... <laughs> they are everywhere. He I sets mean. light to them, which always freaks me out, setting light to them in a barn. <laughs> <laughs> I keep meaning to drive down there one day and find a burnt-out husk. But if you're doing it for you, he knows what he's, you know, he says he's a job, he knows what he's doing. Can I, yeah, we had a wasp nest, you know, set light to it. All right, okay. So that's what I should do with the one in my loft then? No. (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, normally we get wasp nests in our house. Well, not Mm. anymore, but we used to get lots of them. And uh, I used to leave them because they go away, didn't they? The only one I ever dealt with was there was one outside my little sort of study window. And I'd Mm. come in every time I opened the window, I had a room full of wasps. Oh, okay. I didn't realise you had lots of robbing. So oh, it was got, terrible. Got your it was like then. the final thing. Yeah. So basically, I would say I probably lost, on average, two, probably a, a super, let's, let's be conservative and say a super of honey per hive. Okay. 
So probably 12 supers for honey in the space of about four days. Wow. It but was unbelievable. I put, I had to film it and show it. To, I actually phoned the bee inspector because I was so worried about it. I mean, it was just like this. And, and I hadn't broken any of the rules around feeding because I hadn't, I hadn't started feeding them. So it wasn't like I was going, turning up at midday and pouring syrup into buckets and just splashing it all over the place, you know. And <laughs> I wasn't feeding them at all. What I had done late one night was go down and I'd put a frame of, um, I put a, a super of extracted frames on okay. top for that colony to clean. to clean, the colony that I'd taken it from. So I don't know whether the next morning everyone could smell this fresh uncapped honey but it kicked off massive because <laughs> because where you keep your bees as i mean it's got fruit farms i think it's got a lot of mm. forage i guess there's other people that got they must have been a like super robby strain of bees to i guess so i don't i really don't know why it happened so badly but at least i learned because i mean robbing is one of those things when you do the bbka modules and you're covering you know you're ticking off the points of the syllabus and you have to write about robbing in your the first one which is honeybee management you think of robbing that's easy you know or silent robbing whatever when you actually see it happening or you realize it's happening silent robbing it is actually it's not just something that you tick off on the syllabus that's when you realize you know how incredibly harmful it is and how it can just destroy a, a weak colony anyway so um i don't know why it happened but i did i did learn a lot about it and i learned how to make robbing screens which are now my favorite thing robbing screens yeah it's probably worth pointing out what the bbk is it's the british beekeeping association, association. <laughs> so we'll put a link to that as well okay yeah. i do so so th this year you'll they'll be nailed on come the autumn you're just yep. going to nail them straight absolutely on. Absolutely. The other the other thing that might have been a factor was that I was treating with Apigard. So often I use Max. Yeah. Depends on the colony. If I've got a small colony that I know is going to need a lot of feeding, I'll hit it with Max for a week, and yeah. then it's done. I'm careful with Max because what I find is, if it's strong, it's not a problem. If it's weak, I it, it just seems to overpower them. Yeah, I've had I've had a couple that have really taken it badly, and you look at it. So now I I I, I like them because they're really easy to use. But now I kind of if it, if it's, it doesn't strike me that it's a strong colony, I don't use it because I'm just worried it's going to it seems to just gas them. Yeah, well there have been issues with queen rejection, and I know there's lots of research about that. And I I did I did lose two queens the first time I used Max, but it was very hot weather. Yeah. Um, and I had the trays out and everything, but I—I I mean, I'm—it's—I I definitely use it, but I'm much more careful about how and when I use it. I think they—I uh, read somewhere they changed the formula to sort of tone it down a bit. Oh really? So I didn't know that. That would make sense because, God, it, it nearly takes your face off when you open them <laughs> up. I mean, you can't breathe for a week through your nose. No, <laughs> no. Well, you've got a cold there, great, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's what I need. <laughs> Go and sniff the empty Max bucket. <laughs> yeah, clean, clean, clean your sinuses out, no problem at all. Oh, yeah, wouldn't it just? Okay. So that so maybe, I'm just saying, maybe having the Varroa treatments on the hives meant the bees were quite distracted. I don't know. Maybe that was a factor, because that's when the robbing So were they started. robbing the, 
just the weak highs or they robbing all no, of them? robbing everyone. Everyone, I, it was like everyone was robbing everyone, and my bees, I'm sure, were robbing each, each other. other. Yeah. Because of course, once it starts on that level, it just triggers a, yeah. a real frenzy. Um, so I, I really thought that you know by well, I, I got great advice as I said on the forum and took the advice and went down late at night to my creepy, scary apiary in the middle of a field and <laughs> it was terrifying. I mean, things were moving all around me and I had this ridiculous little torch. Um, <laughs> it was terrifying. I couldn't get the wooden entrance blocks in. Um, those never work, do they? Well, those entrance blocks? Those wooden ones. They just stick. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's one of the things I like better about polyhives is the entrance. Are they easy? Like yeah, they just... Yeah, those, those entrance blocks, and once you put them in... They're a nightmare to get out. Or would get back in again. You have to That's what yeah. I found, because my, my boxes, I've got like two or three boxes. And you have to lever the box up, the bottom box, to get them in. Yeah. And they uh, And that's hard. It is hard. This year I'm gonna put them in because you try and put them in the winter where you don't really want to open the boxes. So this year I'm gonna put them in the autumn. And I'm gonna use a supplementer this year anyway, so you wanna put in the, the, the larger mm. I've actually got, you go down to, you look at one of my highs at the moment, it's got a, a, an entrance card broken in two because I couldn't get it in, so I kicked it out of frustration, snapped it. <laughs> <laughs> like well, do you know, actually, sometimes when I move them, if I'm not moving hives very far, I just gaffer tape up the entrance. Over, I, I, okay. just, I just tape it up. And I know you can use foam and all that kind of stuff, but sometimes if you have to move bees and you don't have foam handy, you've, you've usually got some gaffer tape. No. Because those wooden things are a nightmare because you go there and the bees are all peaceful and, you know, you just want to slip it in quietly. And, of course, you can't, can you? And you then you bang be, it all in. the bees <laughs> are coming out to see what's going on. I'm a big fan of duct tape. It's great stuff. Yeah. What's the difference between gaffer tape and duct tape? Maybe that's a separate I, I, question. I think if you're British, it's gaffer tape. And if you're American, it's duct tape. Oh, okay. But there's a brand called duct tape. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, it was the thing I've learned this year is breed from your own bees. Yes. And I will, my challenge this year is to do the queen, right? Method of queen oh, okay. rearing. I want more nukes. I want nukes. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I want more. Yeah. Poly nukes. I yeah. want poly nukes working hard on the side, doing all kinds of stuff for me, you know, looking after new queens, looking after old queens, rearing new queens, endless possibility. <laughs> I love polynukes. I'm obsessed by polynukes. I'm going to get so overexcited about polynukes now. But I, thing is, with polynukes, what I like about polynukes is one, they're they're cheap. I mean, um, you can buy polynukes for about just under forty pounds. Um, and two, the bees seem to do really well in them. I guess because they're warm. Um, there's two. I mean, there's two designs at the moment. There's one with the internal feeder, mm. uh, and there's one where it's got like a, a high top feeder. Yeah. But what's really good, the last couple of years, they brought out those extra bits now. So you can get a polynuke with a, and you can buy a new brew box that sits on the top of it. And just compared to the price of the wooden nukes. Oh, I, they're fantastic. They're brilliant. I mean, the feeders are rubbish. Yeah, they are. But what I do now is I, the first time I got them, I used them how you're supposed to, you put the syrup in them. Yeah. Um, but you just find loads of dead bees floating in them. So now what I do is I pack fondant in there. Yeah. And that works a treat. They, yeah. They, they love it. You just push fondant down there. And um, the other thing I've got, I've got the polynuke eeks. So one of my polynukes. I love those. It's got the eek. And I cut a little square out of the, the you know, plastic hive um, 
brown board you get and I just put the, the packet of fondant on the top. Yep. Right on the bars. Yeah. Nukes love that. The double double mm. nukes. I mean now I've got all the, the extra brood box extensions. Next year I'm just I can raise double nukes. So essentially you can get a just a very tall normal hive. Yeah. They've got supers now, you can buy supers. I know. <laughs> I don't I'm not sure I understand that really, but I mean what the thing that they lack is Oh, no, I don't know. No, that's not right. I was going to say, what I find frustrating, I sometimes I, w- I want to cut the floor off. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's obviously all one thing. And if you want to unite them with another nuke, it would be great to just be able to... Yeah, I think what you... I mean, although now you've got the um, essentially brew box body that just fits on the top, you could just take the frames out and put in one of those and stick it on top of another hive. Yes. You could do that. Yes. Um, but yeah, it'd be great if they were... Like my mating nukes from the Lyson ones from Poland, they've got that. They've got a floor and a body and everything. Mm. Um, so have you got any polyhives at the moment? I don't actually see them. I've got... But like in your apiary? No. I You've like the wooden all hives. Wooden. It's all wooden. I just mm. like wooden hives. Yeah, I agree. I You've do got too. polyhives. I have you? got polyhives, yeah. Have you found that the they d- bees do better in the polyhives? Because that's the... No, um, not really. I mean, I think the condensation is a problem. I mean, I haven't noticed that they do better, but I don't think they necessarily do worse. Um, but the condensation on the crown board uh, is is quite bad. So I just posted today on the British Beekeepers Association forum, discussion forum, um, asking a question about that, asking for help, whether you should have... There are different theories of ventilation of beehives in winter, whether you should have top ventilation... Um, if you're using an op- open mesh floor. Um, so what I've essentially got on these polyhives is an open floor, yeah. but I've done the Ted Hooper thing of putting matchsticks under the corners. No. Thinking, well, appa- <laughs> he, he says, it, of course, it lets the moist air out. But, of course, when he wrote that, he was talking about wooden solid vibes. wood floors. Yeah. Not open mesh floors. So I think I've got that wrong. I think my understanding of thermodynamics, if that's what it is, probably isn't because I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> so you're getting, I don't know, so you're getting the top of the poly crown board getting wet. Really badly, like it's dripping onto the cluster. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and some of the poly nukes. Have you looked at your poly nukes? Yeah, I looked. Yeah, you do get a bit. I've not got it that bad. I'm not sure you do that. Maybe you just take the roof off. You just leave it with a polystyrene roof. Maybe. Or it's like I know some people put but then um, won't that just plastic bags on the top. Well, I, so that's interesting. So I do, with my wooden hives, I put a quilt on top of the crown board. Yeah, I don't bother with that. So, But I don't with my poly hives. Cause it no seems point, isn't it? Exactly. It's like, it's like an inch of polystyrene already on the roof. But interestingly, I have, I did buy myself as a treat, I don't know why, a glass crown board. Oh, really? Yes. I keep looking at those. I, I yeah, I won a voucher and a honey show. And oh. I thought, I know, just to brag a little bit. <laughs> um, and yeah, w- so I bought myself that. But of course, the condensation on that is just unbelievable. Um, even with the quilt on it. So, oh, I mean, obviously, okay. warm air. Cold so surface. The, the reason I've always fancied buying one of those um, glass crown boards is because people say, well, in the winter, you don't have to take the 
wooden groundboard off. Although we do know a beekeeper that says just open it up, they'll be fine. I'm not going down that road. It sounds. I open mine up. Um, I open up if I have to. I did the trickle treatment, so I had to open some of them. Although it's so warm when I did it. Yeah. That one of them. It was warm, wasn't it? Actually. Yeah. It's cooled cooled down now. But now, I wouldn't open it up in weather like this. But you know, if it was a sunny, still day. And the bees were flying. I went up there last week. The bees were flying. Um, they weren't bringing any pollen, but they were all um, flying. And I, yeah, I basically put fondant in each of the hives and just had a quick look where the cluster was. I, I would rather know a bit about the colony, about where the cluster is, because obviously if it's not directly under the feed hole, they're not going to find the... Yeah. Unless it's a massive cluster. Because remember, we had that we had that presentation. Who's the guy who came and talked to us about preparing for the swing, spring? The bee, the, he runs a bee. He's a bee farmer. He, and he talked. Was to it Dan? Bast- was it no, Dan? No, it wasn't Basterfield. Dan Basterfield. I can't remember his name now. Him and his wife do it. Not David and Celia. David and Celia. Rudland. Yeah, David yeah. Rudland. And he was saying that he that he taught me. That's who I learned yeah. beekeeping from. Yeah, I, I like him. They're nice. They're really nice people. But he, he was saying that they do a they do a this idea of hefting. Mm. You know, you lift the hive. I've, I've never made that work. I've never been. Oh, no, I must be the Hulk because I lift it. I thought it feels okay. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> but I um, but what he said was really interesting. He said they do a, do an exercise where they put bricks in an empty hive, mm. and they ask you to heft it, and they ask you, and he said. That if they they stack all the bricks on one side, someone will tell tell them it's lighter than if they lay all the bricks on the floor. So his point is 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 that hefting is very rudimentary because it depends on how the bees have distributed the stores. He said the other thing you can't tell with hefting hefting is if the bees are anywhere near the store. That's stores. it. Yeah. So he recommends if you're unsure to crack the lid. He says because yeah. it's better to have bees that are a little bit cold and have to work the way up than it is to have dead bees. So yeah, exactly. I, I'm a kind of I, so I, I don't mind I'll null open it. I mean, to be honest I mean what is it today it's like zero yeah it's freezing so but but that's this is as cold as it's been around here I mean up up where my bees are it's it's minus temperatures at the moment and um, yeah you know I mean I I just think this thing about isolation starvation and actually we said we'd talk about what we're doing at the moment and this is what I'm doing at the okay. moment yeah at this time of year my primary concern is starvation. The National Bee Unit issued an email warning a couple of weeks ago about starvation. Because it was um, too mild, wasn't it? They were saying it's so warm they're going to be out flying. Yes, yeah. and I was surprised to see my see mine active, as I said last week. Um, and if you want to get alerts from the National Bee Unit, you sign up via BeeBase, the mm. BeeBase website which is excellent. There's loads of resources on there. Um, so, you know, as you were just saying, hefting is gives you an indication of how many stores are in the hives. And I do do it because some colonies at the moment are still, you know, pretty heavy, whereas others, mm. you know, you, you get ready to lift them assuming they're going to be heavy and they, you know, come Dry right up. up pretty much, yeah. So it's quite... Have you ever hefted when it's fallen over? No, but I have dropped a hive. Once, no, when I had my leg in plaster. 
didn't do any damage. I can't believe it did no damage at all. It's my favourite queen as well. Is that your top um, tip then? That don't don't keep don't do bee inspect beehive inspections with a broken foot. Yeah, like you think you know you think you can just crack on. Did you have a cast on it? Yeah, it was in plaster. <laughs> I wrapped it in a plastic bag and went down the A3 on crutches. Oh. That's when, that's when you said to me and a couple of other people, like, shouldn't you just actually ask for help because yeah. you're just causing mayhem with your bees. You should just leave them alone. Um, I just I just see this picture of you with your foot <laughs> in, a, really in, a, in a Tesco's carrier bag. <laughs> I guess it would be a waitress. It wasn't, it, really it wasn't Tesco. John Lewis carrier bag. <laughs> with, with, uh, <laughs> on a crutch. So you had like one crutch. like bee, uh, Two crutches. Two crutches. Did you take the hive tool to the end of the crutch? Yeah. Hive tool in no hive tool in my mouth. Smoker on the end of the crutch. You look like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. And what happened was, I put the supers under the brood boxes yeah. to overwinter them, and it was spring. So I decided I wanted those. The supers were empty. They'd eaten them all. Right. And I wanted that comb off. So hang on. So so just to get this <laughs> straight, right? You went and did a bee inspection with a broken foot. Yeah. While you were there, broken you ankle. Yeah. Broken ankle. And while you were there, you thought it'd be a good idea to rearrange the hive. Yeah. <laughs> 14 by 12 hive. You are the keenest beekeeper I know. Well, I just thought it's look at such a simple thing. You know, I'm strong. One I can I can do this. And you of course, do you know the thing is I lifted it, it was fine, but I lost balance because you're on one leg. Plaster <laughs> is not flat, so I fell over. And the hive the hive came with me. Massive 14 by 12. Did you drop it on yourself or did it land next to you? Do you know, I can't even remember. I just remember just oh. thinking, oh my God, the Green Queen. She was my favourite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they were fine. Do you know, they didn't even, they hardly, they came out and they were pretty upset at first, but then they all just went back in. They probably While laughing. While it was lying on its side, they were laughing at me. They were giggling. Did you hear like a laughing coming out of the hive? Was it just gently shaking? <laughs> Increased buzzing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I guess, you know, I think hefting is really useful, but as you say, it's not a gauge of whether the cluster can no. access stores. And what I do do at the moment when the weather's like this, when it's really cold, I believe often the cluster doesn't move as, as much as it does when it loosens up a bit okay. in high temperatures. So it, it will not move. Um, and if they consume stores around it, well, obviously there's risk of starvation, yeah. even though there are other stores in the hive, hence isolation starvation. And so I get fondant and I roll it out like pastry and I roll it out and put a, uh, a sheet of it over the cluster. Okay. So that's what I've been doing so at I the moment. So I just cut a hole in the bag and stick it over the uh, poor bee escape. I mean, and I do, do, I, I do that as well, but I found that works better a little later on, maybe kind of beginning okay. of March when they're... More mobile. Yeah, and they, they will go and check it out. But I had, uh, while I was away over Christmas, I had bags of fondant over the feed hole. And, of course, they, did, they didn't even come and look at it. And when I went, look, when I went to look at the clusters, they were, they were all in corners. Okay. It's weird. I, I hope they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out soon. I remember my first year, Beaky, I was just so, so paranoid they, they were going to starve mm. that I fed them a phenomenal amount <laughs> of sugar. And I remember um, the chairman at the time did a bee inspection in the spring and he said, how much sugar have you put in this? Because every frame, literally every frame, just had <laughs> cat honey. <laughs> what, what did you feed them? Syrup. I just fed them. 
Because I'm so because <laughs> I'm so paranoid they were going to die in the winter. I had this real thing, and now I'm like, you know, what, I kind of I, I make sure I, in, in, in the autumn I check the stores, and I sort of think your job is to live through the winter. If you've got enough stores and you can't and you and you, I don't I shouldn't need to I, I feed them, but I don't think I I stop feeding them a phenomenon. I've just fed them so much sugar that they they had nowhere to. I just they were honey bound. <laughs> With sugar. All oh, right. It oh was God. just so much. Uh, uh, Mark, who's the chairman, just uh, was looking at it, saying, you know, Paul, you, you don't have to feed them that much. You kind of want, you know, four frames and you're, mm. you're good, not eight. Mm. So I learned my lesson after that. And now I kind of, I'm a bit more uh, circumspect when it comes to actually feeding them. But you can't, uh, this thing but is, you can get do pa- it themselves as well, become well, honey bound. That's their job, isn't it? Yeah. And, and last year, because I was feeding them with Apigard, I didn't check them for a few weeks. At that time of year, you don't tend to. And um, I came back, and one of them was completely honey bound. Did you have the old? There was I mean, no I've, brood. Did you have the honey in the roof? Oh, it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that roof. Actually, space. it wasn't in the roof, but it was. I've had it in the roof. <laughs> you take the roof off. It is heavy. This roof. You turn it over, and it's just full of brace comb, full of. And honey. you were complaining you had no honey. That was two years ago. <laughs> I wasn't complaining I had no honey. It was someone else was complaining <laughs> I didn't have any honey for them. Anyway, that's not honey, isn't it? Is it? We would never like honey is honey. Yeah, we won't go into that. So, okay, so this year you're, you're at the moment you're just concentrating on feeding. Yeah, so I'm I'm going up and I'm checking mine. I'm actually going tomorrow to check them. They seem fine, actually. When did you last see them? Uh, well, mm, actually, we should rename this podcast "Embarrassing Beekeeping Stories." <laughs> I was say. So, I I've been um, Beehive Confidential <laughs> Confessions. So <laughs> I um, I went up there. About two weeks ago, well, I went. I was up there last. Uh, I was up there last weekend because I went to buy some land off off the farm. Oh yeah, which is really nice. Like that. Um, and uh, about two weeks ago, I thought, right, I'm going to move. I had a nuke on its own. This this mated queen on its own. I thought, right, I'm going to move it with the other hives because it was a spare space. But it's only about sort of eight or nine meters away. So I thought, well, if I move it, they're going to just keep flying back to the interface. So I, I sealed them in. So this this idea, you seal them in for seventy two hours. Um, <laughs> so I went back a week later, and I'd forgotten I'd sealed them. <laughs> so um, luckily they were okay. So I, I kind of oh, I'll be, uh, better let you out. So because it's also cold, they haven't gone out anyway. So I've let them out. So I've moved that nuke now. So um, I had to look at one of them. There's one of them that eats fondant like it's ice cream. They love fondant. So um, there's an empty bag of fondant. On, well, there's a little bit left. So I'm going to go up check it. I might actually open those ones and have a quick look down t- between the frames to see how much stores they've got because they, they might just be taking the fondant and just, just munching on it instead of those stores. Uh, so I may put another bag of fondant on that. But that's kind of okay. And um, I think the end of March, so ne- next week's supposed to be quite warm, quite 10 degrees. So if it carries on like that, the last couple of weeks of March, I'll start f- feeding them to give them that boost into spring. So that's kind of... Doing. Yeah, I'm going to feed them pollen patties for the first time. Yeah, I'm going to try that this year because I think where mine are, there's not a lot of early pollen. There's lots of dandelion and other stuff, but um, it's quite managed where you are. Don't yeah, they? exactly. I don't. I don't think there's a lot of early early pollen, and I find they get started later. Later, yeah. So like the nukes, I brought my nukes home have in the garden <laughs> I was going to say it sounded like I was going to say I have in the house I brought the nukes home to overwinter them in the garden because 
um, it's much more sheltered there and it's about five degrees warmer than the field. So I'm going to leave them there until they really start to build up okay. and then I'll take them up. That's a good idea. I, I think I'll bring mine back here rather mm. than... I just find colonies that need care, if you can, if you can bring them into your garden, it's just much easier to look mm. after them. Um, and I'm lucky because there's more than three miles between my apiaries, between home and my okay. out apiary. It doesn't cause any issues. So what, what are your plans for next year then? My plans for next year, <laughs> queen rearing. I, I have to, have to. It's fun. I know, do you, but it's, I've got this mental block about it because I've been to all these talks, which like you said, yeah. go through every bloody thing where you've got to get all of this equipment um, and whatever. Yeah. And I'm thinking, can't I just use my swarm cells? Can't I use emergency equipment? You know, and yes, you can, but I want it to be a bit more organised than that. So I like. I want you to learn to graft because I like the idea that you can do it. I don't really need lots of queens, but I kind of I, next year I want to have maybe go into a bit with ten newts because yeah. I need to raise about fifteen queens. So um, I've set aside two or three hives that are just going to be helping me with queen rearing and all the other ones I'm not touching. Their job is to make honey mm. um, or I'm going to get punched in the face. Right? So <laughs> I've got to make honey. So um, I like grafting and it's not that difficult. And so we can have a go at that. So we'll do that. And I, I like the fact you can select. Yeah. You can do it free. So you can graft you know, 10, 20 cells from the same hive. So yeah. you can actually select, really be really selective. And then get a nuke to raise them. Would that work? Yeah, yeah, you could do that. So um, the reason people use the small nukes is because it needs fewer bees, mm. right, rather than a nuke. Um, so I use those um, mating nukes. They're slightly larger than the apodea. The apodea are the, the basically a cup of bees. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is once they get going, once that queen mates uh, and they lay, there's a high chance to have scone. So the thing with the apodea yeah, is... you've got to be really on it, haven't you? Yeah, so the apodeas, you've got to be really on it whereas um i kind of don't want to be going to the apiary every day i mean i like going there it's lovely but i don't want to be you know i've got a job mm. so i don't really want to have to go there every night so the, these ones are if you think of a normal nuke um they're probably about a third of the size of a normal nuke so you need slightly more bees maybe a cup and a half of bees to actually uh, give the queen something to build a comb and, and give her some some stuff um so when I made six matey nukes up last year, I probably used half a brood box of bees to do that. So you just, use, I, I just found I used a lot of bees. But I mean, I've got my nukes and borrowed them. But they're, they're, I find them really good. And the good thing is, if the frames are slightly larger, and then what I did, if I'd had more queens, I would have done it more. I took a, um, I then took the the the, the, the hives that I use for queen rearing, and I took a frame of sealed brood out there frame of food put it in a normal size nuke shook the move the queen and the, and the sort of bees that little attendant bees uh into that nuke and the benefit of the the queen which i use is they're two mating nukes separated by a divider mm. so what you can actually do is move one half of it into a nuke take the divider out and then they, they kind of then got and a half got size nuke. Space. yeah and because it's modular you can stack another one on top and actually make it a full size nuke just in mating nuke frames so you, but you can just put the queen cell into a normal nuke. 
Yeah, and I mean, as we were saying, I love polynukes and they're just great. Yeah. And I kind of figure, you know, if you want to unite, if you want to introduce a queen into a new colony, you always do it through a, I always do it through a nuke. Yeah. Um, making up a nuke from that colony and then, yeah, introducing the queen and then introducing them all together. Um, so, yeah, it just would make sense to me to give them to a, a cohesive kind of colony to raise and then they've got the space as well. Yeah. The, the only risk is, is so the other reason to use mating nukes rather than put them in full-size nukes is because, you know, the queen flies off, gets eaten by a bird, comes back, you've got to find another queen. Mm. So um, the mating nukes, you can just use those bees for something else, not just reunite them and shake them into another box. Oh, yeah, I see what you But mean, if yeah. I was you, because you've got a lot more nukes than I've got, I would absolutely move them into nukes the moment they mated because mm. you've got enough you, you know you could split your nukes into three other nukes with new virgin queens and they yeah. do really well so that's why i want lots of nukes because i've got well not lots but enough nukes that i can use those to do that and just leave my production house alone because i would like i do want to try to increase this year you know putting aside what happened last year i've learned a lot and I would like, I'd love to come out. Okay, so let's say I've got 14 at the moment, even though I don't like four of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sad disappointment. Um, you know, if, if I could come out with 20, that would be oh, great. Okay. Now, the, this begs the question of how many beehives does that forage support? I can't have endless beehives where I am. I'm going to have to find another apiary site. Mm. So I guess it's about increasing, finding another apiary site, queen rearing, they're all kind of entwined. And I'm doing my module two exam on the 18th of March. What's module two? It's honey, oh, God, I don't know. It's not That's looking good, good is stuff. it? Um, it's <laughs> honeybee products and forage or something like that. Okay. It's quite... It's it's a bit weird because it's got all the things I know how to do, like honey and beeswax and all of that. Right. Thrown in with lots of biology and some botany and a bit of science about hydrolysis and the electrical conductivity of honey and things like that. Oh wow. Um yeah, so luckily I we have a very smart bee friend, so we'll yeah. be <laughs> we'll be asking her for help. She's done it. So She's that's done all of the exams, hasn't she? Mm. I'd like to do two uh, two modules this year okay. because that means I will have done six of them. Oh, wow. So I'm not allowed to do any modules because I've never done the the basic exams. You need to come to my course. I will come to your basic course. Maybe, maybe, you know, we'll get through. <laughs> Without being banned, sent out of the room. Well, no, I'll, be good. I'll be good. Okay, well, I think that's, that's probably going to be the end of our first episode. I hope people enjoyed it our rambling <laughs> beekeeping conversation <laughs> so um i think we're going to make another one so the idea of this is we're going to make one every in during the season every couple of weeks but as it's uh, looking out the window it's frosty and cold mm. we're probably going to make another one next month as before and then the season will kick off sort of in march and then we'll speed up so we'll, if you like it you can comment on the website it's uh, the beehivejive.com uh, thanks a lot Bye. Thanks. Bye. Feed your bees. Bye. <laughs>
Well, it's 45 minutes, so you want to do another 10, I reckon. Okay. All right. I'll try not to talk too much. Um, right. I'm going to edit out about 10 minutes. <laughs> You're going to edit me out. Thanks a lot. Well, we'll edit this out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, 